Yes, this is a sound I make every day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> do it one more time. Do the goat one. <laughs> that really does sound like a siren. I, I really do my my best work. I know I exactly did warm what you're talking about. That was really good. Welcome to the Pre-Vet Pausecast. I'm Alex Avellino, your tour guide on the journey to becoming a veterinarian. Listen along as we provide you with tips, tricks, and tales on applying to veterinary school. Welcome back to the Pre-Vet Pausecast. I'm Alex Avellino, and I can't believe that we are starting season five, an all DVM student season. Today, I have three guests with me who are going to talk to us about something they all have in common. Hi, everyone. Hello. How you doing? I'm going to have you tell me your name, your hometown, your undergrad, and your major. Let's start with that. Josh, you can go ahead and start. Alrighty. First of all, my name is Josh Shuljak, and I am from Crown Point, Indiana. I went to Indiana University, and I majored in biology, psychology, and neuroscience in undergrad. How do you triple major in something? Uh, it's called a lot of summer classes. <laughs> oh, interesting. I took five summer classes the summer after my senior year just to graduate on time. My name is Michael Ferrara from Newport Ritchie, Florida. Um, I went to University of Florida, Go Gators, for undergrad, and uh, majored in biology. And I should probably say that all three of these guests are second-year students, and we are only one week into their first semester of second year, so they're brand-new second years. Fia, go ahead. Hello, everyone. My name is Sophia Benson. Most people call me Fia. I am from Washington, D.C., and I attended Georgetown University for my undergrad, where I got a degree in music. When you said Washington, D.C., my immediate reaction was going to be, go America. Do do people from Washington, D.C. do that? We absolutely do not do that. Okay, okay. That's good to know. Good to know. I should say, audience, this season is might not be as, I don't want to say informative as previous seasons, but it will certainly be entertaining. So if you've enjoyed the pre-vet podcast and you've enjoyed our guests, you'll enjoy maybe a more relaxed version of the podcast this season with our guests talking about who they are, where they're from, and then just having a conversation with them. And that's what we're going to do today. So, Fia, why don't you tell me what thread all three of you have in common? What what brought us here today? So, Josh, Michael, and I all are EMTs. So, for a good chunk of time before we came to vet school, we all worked as emergency medical technicians in human medicine. Okay, I have a lot of questions for the three of you because, as we know, human medicine and veterinary medicine are quite different, mostly because of our patients. Um, But you do have medical backgrounds. Michael, do you feel like having that medical background is helping you in vet school? And if so, how is it helping? Marginally at best. Oh my God. (laughs) Wait, wait. Okay, then before you answer that, that might be a hot take. Bia and Josh, do you have a different take on that? I feel like it did help me a little bit more in the sense of how to deal with patients and like stressful situations, okay. less than the more medical aspect of it. Okay. Because I feel like the medical aspect is different. Okay. That being said, I, I agree with Josh. I do think it helped. I think it was nice to be exposed to medical terminology from an early stage before our vet school careers. Um, but I also I agree with Josh in the sense that I think it really helped me work under pressure, work with other people, and make decisions. 
um, for both myself and for others, if need be. Okay. Michael, weigh in. <laughs> I'm so excited. I would like to rephrase my <laughs> response to that. So I do think it helped a lot. Um, oh, my I was, God. No, I was thinking in terms of <laughs> actual flip-flop. Okay. Yeah, I was thinking in terms of, but as far as, like, just developing as an individual and okay. um, getting a sense of professionalism, it helped immensely. And then, yeah, it did help a little bit as far as learning medical terminology and then a baseline anatomy, physiology. Did you all think you wanted to do human MD first? Is that how we got here? Um, so I actually went to undergrad as a pre-med major. Mm-mm-mm. I was an EMT for four years through undergrad, and then I had actually applied and got accepted into medical school before changing my mind and coming to vet school instead. Althea, you didn't know this about your friend. I had no idea. We so need to unpack that. I actually, and then I decided that it was not for me, and then I applied and started working at a small animal hospital the week after that. Okay. What about you, Michael? How did we how did we get there? <laughs> so I actually I I didn't apply to med schools officially. Um, I I went through the first rounds of applications, but I did want to do human med um, going into undergrad and all actually all the way through undergrad. Um, so I actually made it to the second stages of medical school applications, um, and kind of like Josh, I took the time. I was like, you know what? I need to just backtrack, figure out if this is something I really want to do because it's a huge commitment, um, both financially and mentally. Um, vet yeah, med so or human med? Human. Well, they both are. Yeah, because yeah. you sound like you're but telling me about vet no, med. No, yeah, just you have to be sure of your decision when you go to medical school or veterinary school. Um, so I decided to go the EMT route, wanted to do that for a little bit just to make sure and solidify that human med was what I wanted to do. Um, and I ended up figuring out that's not what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And that kind of led me to the veterinary path. Ooh, I like that. That's part of what led you here. Everyone should take opportunities whenever they come up because you don't know where it will end up taking you. So for me, honestly, in college, I knew I wanted to go into medicine. I didn't really know what that if looked like. If you knew like. you wanted to go into medicine, why would you major in music? Um, because I knew that both pre-med and pre-vet are just tracks, and you can really get a degree in anything as long as you fulfill those prerequisites. Oh, you are speaking my language. So for me, I didn't want to inundate myself in the sciences since I was already taking those. I had a passion for music. I knew I could get good grades in it. And it gave me an outlet outside of science, so that's what I pursued. Um, In terms of pre-med versus pre-vet, essentially my school was offering an EMT um, course. Most people at my undergrad were pre-med. I was the only person potentially considering veterinary medicine. So I kind of thought maybe maybe I should go that route. Um, But again, I grew up around vet med, so I, I wanted to explore that as well. But it boiled down to they offered an EMT class. Let me test the waters in human med. Let me test the waters in medicine in general um, and try to get a little bit of clinical experiences and experiences and apply the science that I'm learning um, and see if it's even for me. And so I did that in undergrad and postgrad and realized I did not like human medicine at all um, and and came back naturally to, to vet med. But it is an experience that I'm really grateful for and learned a lot from. So your first responders, talk to me about how the term first responder relates to veterinary medicine. That is a great question, Alex. This is what I am pondering at the moment. <laughs> That's a really good. So the students, when you have an interview for vet school and they ask you a question, you don't know how to answer it. What Josh just did is a great way to buy some time. That's a great question. Oh, so as far as vet med goes, um, I mean, I'm sure as most of you guys know, there are like urgent cares for vets and there are ERs, but a lot of these places don't open until five o'clock. So as a veterinarian, 
you are an emergency doctor as well as a primary care physician, as well as every other possible role you can think of if you're just doing general practice. Yeah. Um, so people who are like, oh, I don't deal well with emergencies, you might want to get used to it because you're going to see emergencies no matter where you go in vet med. Great. I love this. Okay. This is wonderful because, you know, I will say I feel like we do encourage students to find their niche or their niche in vet med, but you're right. You kind of do have to be prepared to handle multiple things or find a refer to, you know, another doctor if you can't handle it. But you're right. Sometimes if you're a primary care doctor, an emergency situation could certainly walk in. So what kinds of qualities did you all learn as an EMT that helped prepare you for vet school and being a veterinarian? Um, a lot of it was being calm under pressure. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of getting used to dealing with kind of stressful situations and then being able to make it so that you can handle them well. Mm -hmm. um, it's A lot of that comes with knowledge as well. If you're prepared knowledge-wise, you're going to be more prepared and calmer when the situation comes. Oh, okay. Wait, I want to I talk about that because I feel like there's two things that could happen. There are folks who are just like naturally calm under pressure. Nothing's going to rattle them and they have no idea what's going on. They're just good in crises. But what I hear you saying is if you know what to do ahead of time, maybe you've studied for that exam or you're prepared in that paramedic EMT what situation, you feel more confident. Yes, exactly. So how did you prepare for the podcast today? I prepared for the podcast today by coming with a full stomach and oh. really just being energetic and ready to go. Right. I drank some water. Yeah. My voice is feeling mm. fresh. Yes, yes, yes. So you didn't maybe know what was going to happen, but you had your body ready. I had no idea what was going to happen. Right. And still don't. I still don't. This me is neither. all a mystery to me, mm -hmm. and I'm just here for the ride. Okay. Keep going with what you were saying because it was so fabulous. About being prepared. Mm -hmm. So being prepared, having that knowledge, you can go up there and then you can know what kind of questions you want to ask right away. And then also you can do a quick evaluation of the patient just to make sure that they're not in a life-threatening situation and that you can better prepare to like take them in the back and then get the test done that you need to get done. Mm -hmm. For me, one thing, one of the biggest things that I learned um, was to like to be a good decision maker to make decisions period um i think it's not necessarily i don't see it really helping right now in your first two years of vet med but when we get to clinics and you have a patient and you have to you know make calls for them um, that's a really important skill to have and i i think i lacked in that before i became an emt but when i you know was thrown into the role with a patient and i had to decide you know, what care do I need to give them? What hospital do I have to go to? Because not all hospitals have all capabilities, that type of stuff. Um, it's it's a really important skill set to have. And I think EMT being an EMT prepared me um, in that way for clinics. Um, I think, I mean, just interviewing patients, being around clients, um, just which I could definitely still use to work on is good bedside manners. One that you get to... Are you mean? No, I'm not mean, but I... I can have no filter at certain points. Being able to have personal converse, like personable conversations mm. with them while you're also getting more information. Because sometimes if you if they feel comfortable with you, they're going to open up a little bit more and give you more information that could help you in those decision processes. Oh, okay. I love hearing about this because I feel like sometimes emergency med folks don't really think about that client communication because they think, okay, primary care, I really have to build relationships with clients. They're going to keep coming back into my practice. Versus like an emergency situation, you might only see that patient or client one time. But what I hear you saying, you almost have to be a different level of personable because you need them to quickly trust you and quickly give you that information because you don't have the time to build that relationship. You it's know? definitely a whole nother ball game yeah. um, as far as yeah, trying to handle the emergency and get, get the information from them. 
Um, but at the same time, as far as like being calm, like especially as an EMT, people are going to freak out. And in the beginning, I'll admit, I'll be the first to admit, I had tunnel vision. It's a, it's a learned skill to be calm in emergency situations. Um, but it essentially takes you just realizing that people are going to panic. That doesn't have to be you. The family who called you is already panicking. So if you are just emitting this sense of calm, then those tend to calm down as well. Um, and that just helps you control the situation also. Nobody wants to call 911 and have a bunch of people freaking out in their house oh, who are supposed to be handling the emergency. Absolutely not. Um, so that's something you definitely need to adjust to pretty quick, and that'll that'll translate well to even talking to clients. They may be freaking out about their pet, mm-hmm. but you need to be able to relay information to them in a calm manner. Let's do some role play. I'm going to be – I'm going to have you each – do a little do a little role play with me. I want to be a a client, a vet med client in a situation where I'm panicking and I want to hear you diffuse the situation. Hi, my name is Dr. Shuljack. I hear you come in today for the emergency. Can you tell me what the emergency is? Basically, this dog will not stop scratching. I can't handle it. It's like all night long. I can't sleep. I don't know what to do. I've tried multiple like topical ointments. I've tried changing their diet. Like I don't I really can't sleep anymore and it's driving me nuts. I I'm I'm losing it. I'm going to lose it. I almost want to rehome this animal. I just can't. I can't deal with it. Well, that's a big problem. We definitely need to try to figure it out for you here today. Does he seem to be having like anxious episodes in other ways, or is it mostly just the scratching for you? Um, I, that's all I'm thinking about right now is the scratching. Like I can't. I can't really tell you anything else that's happening with this animal. Well, we do have multiple options to help you with that. First thing we can do is take them in the back and uh, trim the nails for you. And then while they're doing that, I can also discuss with you some options that we can do to hopefully reduce some of the anxiety around the scratching at night. Here's what I like about what you did, Dr. S here. You came in and I felt empathy in the beginning, like, oh, this is a big problem. I appreciated that. I appreciated the fact that you felt, it felt to me like my need was your need. It felt like it was urgent for you too. Like, okay, these are the things that we're going to do. And you sprung into action. Great. Do you all agree that felt calm under pressure? You didn't seem rattled by my anxiety. No, that's a pretty common thing for people to come in and say for us. And so I've, I feel like I've had this conversation before with people and they're like freaking out and they're like at the point where they're like done. As an EMT, did you see the same thing multiple times too? Yes, um, with the same people sometimes too. Oh no, like frequent offenders? <gasps> frequent flyers frequent is what flyers. we called them. Frequent flyers. Yeah, yeah, we would make good friends with them and be like, what's the problem today? Is it this, <laughs> this, or this? Because yeah. these were the three common things they always wanted to call us for. Oh, so mm-hmm. it almost is like primary care where you might be seeing mm-hmm. the same client yeah. over we and over. We would sometimes be really annoyed with them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, but did you show it? Like two in the morning, right, right. I did not want to run out to that person's house mm-hmm. for them to tell me their blood sugar is low when it's not. <laughs> oh, 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 yeah. oh. And did you have any stress relieving activities to help you through those moments? Along with that, I mean, me and my partner had a great relationship. Uh, we always kind of made jokes and stuff like that. We had a lot of fun. And then also at the station, we had did have stress relieving things. There was a basketball hoop outside. Okay. We had like uh, video games and things like that too. Oh, and everyone would kind nice. of sit around and chat. We had like a kitchen so people would cook meals. Well, and you're a foodie like person, I feel like. Yes, Do you have I am. a go to comfort food? Me, I love mac and cheese. Mm. <laughs> Just like mac and cheese with like anything in it. You like hot dogs? No, not hot dogs. <laughs> okay, so don't say then anything in okay, it. Okay, so by anything, I mean like bacon. How is that that different from a hot dog? Hot dog is processed beyond belief. I love hot dogs. Yeah. <laughs> I love them. So, for some reason, food. that doesn't surprise me. Because I'm from New Jersey? Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, um, so I want you to be the doctor and I'll be the client losing it. 
Can we get a, a more intense emergency than itching? I know. Was that not? Okay, fine. You want a more intense emergency? Let's go. Go ahead. Ask. Welcome me into your clinic. Hi, I'm Dr. Michael. What, what are we here to see today? Dr. Michael, I really don't know, but my dog has six legs. So my my dog, um, my the mom had a baby, and this, this pup came out with six legs. I don't know what to do. Like, it's coming out of its gut. What's the move? Move? I would definitely not do anything with those legs, to be honest with you. Um, they're probably more of a congenital disorder, but um, it's not an emergency. He's not in any like respiratory distress. You don't crashing. think this is an emergency that I, I brought you a six-legged dog. And sometimes this is what we have to deal with clients is telling them things aren't an emergency to do a hard reset on the conversation to get them to kind of regain their bearings. Um, mm. Ooh, yeah, because sometimes they'll just be rattling off things. You can't even get your bearings. And if it is an emergency, we need to be able to, to discern that. So ooh, sometimes you just that. have to take control of the conversation and then go from there and then do a hard reset and get your information. Oh, a hard reset. Okay. I, I love this, this idea that it, letting them know, actually, you don't have to worry. This is not an emergency. That might help reduce their anxiety immediately. It might take some convincing, I'm sure, for some clients. <laughs> some uh, are more receptive than others. And so as an EMT, did you have to sometimes come out and be like, actually, it's not as bad as, as you thought? I wouldn't come out straight and say that. I would say more <laughs> if they're if they come out and they're just like erratic and just like rattling off stuff and not making any sense, no order to what they're saying. Um, sometimes you just have to put a stern foot down and just be like, let's start from here. Uh -huh. When did this start? What is happening? Did any like did they take any medications? Anything like that? Just get your bearings as a clinician because if the client's panicking and you can't already think and you don't know the situation, then you're not going to have any direction on where to go from here. Mm -hmm. Talk to me about how you sift through all of the extemporaneous details that clients will sometimes give you. So like if they're coming in for one issue, but then they're telling you like all this mishigosh that you don't need, what's your strategy with that? My strategy, see, a lot of times I'll take notes during the call, which is also something being an EMT helped with. Um, like, for example, my clinic back home, we had computers where we would document. And I was so used to documenting in the back of the ambulance that I would bring the computer in the room and I'd be typing my notes as they were speaking with me. Um, but I try to write almost everything they say. That doesn't necessarily mean it's not pertinent. But if it's an emergency situation, the fact that they peed on a tree two weeks ago isn't pertinent. So <laughs> there's, uh, there's other, like you may come back to that if there's other chronic issues and be like, oh, okay, she did say this. This will help us with these other issues. But as far as stabilizing the patient, which mm -hmm. is essentially what you're trying to do in an emergency situation. As for taking all the notes, I feel like that's also going to be a great skill on clinics because when y'all go back after you've gotten a history, if the doc asks you certain details, if you've taken a lot of great notes, you should feel much more confident about giving those details to the doctor without telling them things that they don't need to know, like the peeing on a tree last Tuesday. Um, Michael, how did you handle your stress on the job as an EMT? So having a good partner to work with is absolutely essential. Can you give a That's, shout out to your partners right yeah. now? Both of you have mentioned. John. Eric, I don't know if you're listening. Probably not. What up, Eric? Two years going strong. <laughs> Um, Brittany, if you're out there, you were fantastic, and I hope you're doing well. Love you, Brittany. Okay, so Michael, having a good partner. So relate that back to vet med. So, I mean, the people you work with make the job. If you have a bunch of people who are burnt out, tired of doing what they do, it's not going to be a fun day at work. And in emergencies, you also have to know these people because you have to be able to communicate effectively. 
um, and just have a good relationship with them. Be able to trust them is a huge thing. Oh, so um, huge. And yeah, that just all comes with interpersonal communication on, on the on the job. You're about to get married soon. You're engaged. I am. Does your fiance ever hate how calm you are under pressure? <laughs> is she sometimes like, let me see more emotion? Yeah, she definitely is. And um, she she's the victim of those hard resets sometimes in conversations where I just have to start over and I'm like, let's start from here. Oh my but when I said I needed more of a filter, that's that's what was in the back of my oh, mind. Oh, that's but, funny. That's yeah, because she's Julia. not the calmest. Yeah, sorry, Jules. But uh, she's not the calmest in situations and uh, freaks out a little bit too much. So I kind of have to maybe have to she's that passionate. Can we spin this to she's passionate? You, yeah, if you want to, if you want to close your eyes and try to spin it that way. Sophia, <laughs> are you ready for your? I'm so ready. Okay. To be honest, it's hard to come up with things that will rattle you folks because you're so calm under pressure. Here we go. All right, greet me. All right, Alex. Hi, I'm Dr. Benson. Which what brought you in today? Hey, Dr. Benson. Um, as you can see, my cat's tail is falling off. It's hanging by a thread. Um, he got into a scuffle with some of the other neighborhood cats, and I there's blood everywhere, as you can see. And I, I can we do something? Yes. All right. So I'm gonna get my tech to grab your cat. She's gonna go and take him into the back. Uh, can you tell me a little more what happened? When did this happen? Can you give me a little bit more context? It's all right. We, they're in good hands now. They're in good hands. They're with the great technicians in the back right now. I'll I'll head back there in a couple minutes. No. <laughs> like what would oh, you do if the if, if the you client, started crying and you were hysterical? Was, yeah. Like in human med or vet med? Vet med. In vet med. If you needed a second, I would give you a second because I don't think it's beneficial for either party and just a waste of time. How would you say it? How would you say like, let me give you a second? I would literally say, you know what? Let me give you a second, and I will be back in a few minutes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't think you should harp on it and 100%, make them embarrassed. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. So recognizing when they need that time. Yeah, and that's totally fine. Um, Sophia, tell me what you think is critical. Yeah, how um, did you de-stress um, uh, during those stressful, what I assume were stressful times? Honestly, my other, again, my partner, my partner that I rode in the back with me Shout out to that person. Zach, hope you're doing well, my man. Um... Let's see. So we would also go out to dinner a lot. So you don't have to, like, stay at the station. I worked at a fire station. We don't have to stay at the station. We would, you know, go out to eat. Mm. Um, we're on call. So there were times, like, we ordered a pizza. We paid for the pizza. And then right then that would we were called. That would be so stressful. So we said, you know, just, you know, keep it. Enjoy it yourselves. And uh, we had to run out. But, I mean, those moments are really fun. Was an interview less stressful for y'all? I'm awful at public speaking, and I was losing my mind during my interview. I was sweating, and my interviewer asked if I was okay. No. And I said, yeah. They asked if you were... They asked if I was okay. That would make me panic. And then I was like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) As he literally sweat (laughs) dribbles down his face. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm okay. And then they looked at me like I was crazy, of Mm, course. mm. And then I continued to answer their questions, and at the end I asked them where was the best place to eat lunch. Okay, okay. So it... Being an EMT didn't necessarily translate into public speaking because so it wasn't. A complete, it's not a crisis. It's, it's a different kind of fear. Yeah. It's like heights versus you know like a trauma. Like mm. I'm scared of heights, but like that doesn't affect the fact that I can help people in stressful situations. I think it helped me a little bit. Just stay, yeah, staying calm under under pressure. I mean, mm-hmm. there's really no other way to word it. Um, and yeah, I thought. I mean, my interview. I'm here, so it obviously went a little bit good. At it, least it went great. So, yeah, it went great. Yeah, it went great. I guess, but. uh 
Yeah, I mean, just staying. I mean, I'm sure if the conversation wasn't going my way most of the time, and I think that actually what what I think helped me a lot was I took control of the conversation for the oh most God, part. Oh my God, Michael, you're so intense. So it was yeah. <laughs> all these so hard research. Yeah, I, they didn't even have time to ask me half the questions they wanted to, just because I would I would tell them all my stories <laughs> and things like that. Okay, okay. Well, then that definitely worked. Don't 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 just like bulldoze the conversation. That right. Makes, There's yeah. a way to finesse it. It sounds yeah. like you were diplomatic. Mm-hmm. You told them what they needed to hear. What I hear you saying is you you ran the room, mm-hmm. which is how an interview can go. You know, we don't want to be dragging things out of folks. So it sounds like it went great. I think it's more um, and correct me if I'm wrong, Michael. It's it's an air of confidence. You have to you have to be confident as an EMT. And an interview. Oh my God! If I'm telling or you, or else it's gonna go real south real fast. <laughs> That's a great way to put it. Yeah, if an EMT walked on the scene and they were like panicking, like how maybe Josh was at the beginning of the interview. To be fair, I did not panic on the scene. It was just an interview. <laughs> in interviews, but if if, if vet school Josh, vet school interview Josh, yes. showed up on the scene versus oh, EMT no, I Josh, get away. right, right. Yeah. So like if, if someone's coming and sweating on me, I don't want them bye. helping me. Mm-hmm. Fia, how it, did it help your interview? I would say yes, um, but I also will say there's a caveat in the sense that my Florida interview was very conversational. Um, it didn't feel like an interview. I, I really hit it off with the people that were interviewing me. Um, so it, it didn't feel like – I mean, obviously I was a little bit nervous going into it just to the nature of I didn't know what to expect. But, I mean – that happens to everyone. Um, but then I felt very comfortable there. They made it a very welcoming environment. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm glad to hear that. Did it feel like this podcast? Absolutely. Great. <laughs> All right. So we have taken this journey uh, from EMT to VET. That's cool. <laughs> that was really good. It felt so good. <laughs> All right. I want to hear everyone's ambulance impersonations. The siren. So... You drive as you're driving down the street. It's one sound, and then when you cross an intersection, you change sound so the oncoming cars. Mm-hmm. At least for us, that's how it was. Yeah. You don't um, like you do a different sound so they know. So it's like it's <laughs> it's like <laughs> like I'm not kidding you. I'm not kidding. Okay, well you have blackmail on me now. One wait, that was really good. Do you all agree that's what it sounds like? I, I, I do agree with that. I still want to hear like it, though. Yeah. I want to oh, hear yeah. each person, and then we'll harmonize. <laughs> harmonize? Mm-hmm. So I always liked it, because, like, you know, you have your normal siren that goes, like, woo! And then, like, I like it when we get to the crazy part where it goes, eh! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that sounded like a goat. That's my yeah, favorite so, part. Or or it gets, like, the, the, the high-pitched siren back and forth real quick. Okay. I love that part. Michael? Oh, see, my personal favorite was the uh, the SpongeBob siren, where it's more of like a bee-doo, bee-doo. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I didn't know if the sirens even had this many sounds. Oh, yeah. All right, so here's what's going to happen. You each have the sound that you made. Pick oh it. God. Is Josh going with dolphin or siren? I think dolphin. Don't I'm you think? I'm my best goat, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I point to you, you will start the sound, and then you will continue on as everyone else joins in. This is going to be so fun. It's going to okay. be magic. Mm-hmm. Be do be do be And just like that, you lost all followers. <laughs> it was so, but honestly, I loved it. Right, let's just do some advice. What advice do you have for pre-vets? It's like one general piece mm-hmm. of advice. Mm-hmm. You should go first. Get other experiences. It's not just science and animals. Do the music major. Do the human medicine thing do anything else just get a lot of experience in anything you can figure out what you guys don't want to do 
because those are the biggest lessons in life. So that's a great question, Alex. <laughs> Um, so for me, I think my personal thing is, is take your time, uh, try to get as many experiences as you can. Um, and I mean, vet school is always going to be there for you. You can take years off and come. Um, me personally, I did take three years off of coming to vet school. Um, and I had a lot of great experiences in that time. And so it's not something that if you don't get in the first time, there's always more time to get in and then also have all these wonderful experiences that just make you a more well-rounded person in the end. Great advice from great students. Thank you all for taking time out of your class schedule to be with us in the pod on the podcast today. I'm Alex Avellino and we'll talk to you soon.